As we continue our sermon series on praying the Psalms, we turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a personal psalm where the psalmist laments the unfairness of the prosperity and well-being of people who do bad things and struggles with whether it is worth the effort to maintain personal integrity without material reward. Let us listen as the psalm is read. Our scripture reading for today is Psalm 73 from the, from the New Revised Standard Version. Truly God is good to the upright, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pain, their bodies are sound and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not plagued like other people. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes swell out with fatness and their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues range over the earth. Therefore, the people turn and praise them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Such are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and I am punished every morning. If I had said, I will talk on in this way, I would have been untrue to the circle of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, and you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakens. On awakening, you despise their phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was stupid and ignorant. I was like a brute beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me with honor. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire other than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Indeed, those who are far from you will perish. You put an end to those who are false to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge to tell of all your works. Here the Spirit is saying to the church, thanks be to God. In our fast-paced world, have you noticed that false information spreads more quickly and wider than true information? According to a 2019 study published in the journal Science, researchers from MIT found that false news travels online farther, faster, deeper, and more broadly than the truth. Falsehoods are 70% more likely to be retweeted on Twitter than the truth. And false news moves online about six times faster than the truth 
as well. It's not totally clear from the research why false news is so powerful in its spread, but the researchers hypothesize that people are drawn to information that is novel and unusual, as false news often is, and that people who share false information are generally not engaging in analytical thinking. Though false information now travels faster and farther than ever before, if we look at Psalm 73, we can see that the spread of falsehoods is not a new phenomenon. The book of Psalms attributes 73 to Asaph, who was probably a musician who sang in the temple during David's time. And he obviously didn't have social media, but he is struggling with the basic question of what is true and what is false and whom to believe. According to the first verses of the psalm, Asaph believes that it is fundamentally true that God is good to the upright and those who are pure in heart. But in the next couple of lines, Asaph admits that he has lost his way a little bit because it seems like life is better for the people that Asaph refers to as the wicked. Asaph admits that he's been looking around and noticing that arrogant and wicked people are prospering, and Asaph gets envious of them, and this causes him to almost stumble in his faith. Thinking about Asaph's point of view, I was curious what wealth in Asaph's day would have looked like and what he was comparing himself against. The wealthy probably lived in large houses, some with indoor plumbing and fancy mosaics on the walls. They had lots of land to grow crops and servants to work the land and to do the housework. They were also able to eat meat most days, something out of the reach of ordinary people, which might have something to do with what Asaph refers to as their sleek bodies and the fatness of their eyes. Rich people were also able to afford jewelry and expensive dye to color their clothing. And so their wealth would have been visible from the garments that they wore. They also could afford oil for their hair, another expensive luxury that would have been visible to people around them. According to the Psalm, Asaph is envious of the people he is describing because he sees them as wicked and they are living healthy and untroubled lives. This challenges Asaph's belief that God is good to the upright because it seems from his observations that God is good to the wicked instead. Asaph says, they are not in trouble as others are. They are not plagued like other people. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. The Common English Bible's translation of the next lines paints a pretty vivid picture. Their eyes bulge out from eating so well and their hearts are full of delusions. They scoff and talk so cruel from their privileged positions, they plan oppression. Asaph sees how these people are using their wealthy privileged position to oppress other people, and that they speak out all over the place against God. And the Psalm refers to this as their tongues ranging all over the earth proclaiming that God doesn't know anything. Either God doesn't know what they're doing or God doesn't care what they're doing. 
saying, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? They point to their wealth and their comfortable lives as evidence that either God doesn't know what they're doing, or God doesn't care what they're doing, and that they are right. And others around them see the piles of wealth and approve of this kind of false talk, finding no fault in this argument against God. Asaph observes this and wonders if it's really worth all the trouble to keep his heart clean and his hands innocent if his reward is daily pain and punishment while he sees other people who are acting wickedly live rich and comfortable lives. He continues, he considers, quote, talking on his way, which to me sounds like he means talking about the fact that staying true to God is not worth all the work. It is just wearisome when all it brings him is trouble. But Asaph then realizes that if he continues to talk this way, he would be untrue to the circle of God's children. In other words, Asaph realizes that he shouldn't keep talking this way with such bitterness because it isn't true and he would be harming God's children. Instead, Asaph goes into the sanctuary of God and there, feeling close to God, Asaph gets clarity on the truth. Asaph sees that all the material wealth in the world is an illusion that will be swept away in time. He recognizes that the bitterness he felt towards God because of the wealth of the wicked was making him, as he says, stupid and ignorant. He sees that God is always with him, guiding him. Asaph's understanding of the goodness of God is reoriented to be about being in relationship with God rather than being measured by material blessings which will pass away. What material wealth on earth could compare with being near God in this lifetime and into eternity? Asaph is consoled in his realization that his time on earth is short, but his life with God is long, saying, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and my portion forever. Asaph concludes the psalm by affirming that it is good to be near God, echoing his opening statement that God is good to the upright and to those who are pure in heart. Asaph desires nothing but to be close to God and to take refuge in God. And at the end of the psalm decides to spread the truth about God's works. He says, for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge to tell of all your works. In summary of this psalm, Asaph expresses his doubt in God's goodness and confusion, um, God's goodness and confusion in his faith. But he wonders if material wealth is uh, and a life of ease is a measure of God's reward. If they are then God is good to the wicked, and Asaph's faith has been in vain. But Asaph realizes that the goodness of God cannot be measured with created things that will pass away. And instead, 
the goodness of God is expressed in God's nearness to those who desire a relationship with God. Ultimately, Asaph decides that maintaining his integrity within his relationship with God is of the utmost importance. So how can we relate this psalm to our lives right now? Well, one way is in times of great anxiety, we have opportunities like Asaph to get clarity and to draw closer to God. Anxiety can make people act out in all sorts of ways and fear taps into our natural sensitivity towards anything that might threaten our welfare, our safety, or our future. And that kind of fear is good when we are in an immediately life-threatening situation. But in situations of prolonged stress, fear or anxiety, unresolved fear, can be a tool for manipulation because it short circuits our thinking causing us to buy into beliefs that might make us feel safe and in control, but aren't necessarily true. I started out relating Asaph's confusion in the psalm with MIT research about how fast and how far false information can spread. False news can heighten our fears, which can in turn undermine our trust in one another. Asaph almost stumbles because of his false perception of the wealth of the wicked around us. This does undermine his trust in God until he comes to realize that what he believes as fundamentally true is true, that God is good. In conclusion to the 2019 article, the researchers made some suggestions to combat the spread of false news some of which are out of our control because they have to do with the companies that run these online social media platforms. But the one that is in our control is taking time to think and deliberate on the accuracy of a news headline before we share it. Pausing to think helps to slow the spread of false information. As Christians, as we pause, we might pray as Asaph does for God to draw us near, to calm any anxieties we are feeling, and replace any bitterness that pricks our heart with peace. Asaph is an extraordinary example of pausing to discern truth from falsehood. In the beginning of the psalm, Asaph is angry and judgmental, unsure of the truth, but he takes his envy and his anger with him as he withdraws into the sanctuary of God in prayer. There he is able to perceive what is real and true. The result is that God changes Asaph's heart. Asaph shows us how to set aside bitterness by drawing close to God. No longer driven by envy for the people around him, Asaph ends his psalm on an eternal truth that God is good and it is good to be near God. The words of Psalm 73 are indeed true. It is good to be near God, and that is a truth worth spreading. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel that in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is continually with us, holding us, and guiding us. Thanks be to God. Amen.